Okay, and welcome back to the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning, and in the morning to all the baseball fans out there, new and returning listeners. I would like to wish a happy Father's Day to all the listeners. Absolutely. Happy Father's Day to all the baseball dads out there, including my own. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Hopefully we have fathers listening to our show. Well, I don't like to choose favorites between Mother's Day and Father's Day when it comes to baseball because I think each person has their own place in every child's baseball life growing up, which is really what I feel like Mother's Day and Father's Day is about celebrating when it comes to baseball. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of blue on the field today, a lot of blue hats, and I'm sure a lot of blue wristbands and blue bats and blue mitts and anything else Major League Baseball can sell. Nevertheless, it's important to appreciate the importance of the father-son relationship with baseball. Many kids first get their taste of baseball through their fathers. So it's one thing that is basically still passed down generation to generation that way. I think that's how a lot of kids start their first baseball t-ball, is it called? Yeah, but even before that, dad at home teaching you how to hold the bat and hold your back elbow up, maybe weight back on your uh, back foot and stuff like that. It's Um, an important role. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk more about it at the end of the show, I promise. Um, But before we get on with the show, have a couple of little announcements we wanted to make right off the top. But the first thing you might notice is uh, the word daily has been removed from our podcast. And you will probably be hearing us a little less often, but still plenty of times a week. And we're just doing this to, well, basically avoid some burnout and to make sure that we have a properly prepared show for you guys every day. It's something that we do take quite seriously and something that we try to put our best foot forward with, even though this is just a hobby, we'd like it to possibly develop into something more over time. So little steps, but the first step here was to scale back the quantity and scale up the quality all around for everyone. Just because we are scaling back, it does not mean that we will uh, be changing the show very much. After all, it is a best baseball podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So lots of games. I know we watched most of them. Oh, yeah. They were on all day over here at this household. We did. We had the big inning on. I think it started at one. I think it was over at like. It is three hours show. Yeah. MLB, if you're listening, I would love me some MLB big inning on all the time. And if you need more hosts, you know, I'm just a phone call away. Our contact information is in the description. We are available. Wow. Nothing really got to me more yesterday than that Angels-Royals game. We, of course, saw the Otani home run. They were celebrating in the dugout, and it looked like they were going to coast. And and the Angels, I mean, it's so weird. They just had their best week of the season. And, And yet, to end it the way they ended it yesterday, to give up that game, even though I know the Royals are at home, they're the worst team in the league. You're up eight to two. I know they, sir, A, surpassed them already. I mean, yeah. No, I know. The it's the bottom. were in the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. and got hot and no longer in the cellar. I could not believe that game ended the way it did. It was really shocking. That's the best way to put it. We, we didn't even watch the end. It was 8-2. to two. We saw Otani's homer. An amazing homer, by the way. Yeah. But we saw it and, okay, well, this one's over. And uh, I think we must have just switched on another game or we were 
watching other st- the beginning didn't even really have it on yeah it was going around all the games and we just following it through all of it and then this new rookie coming up samad samad taylor taylor yeah, yeah. so interestingly he came from the uh, toronto organization Yes, he did. And also, he was just recently called up. I think he was called up on Friday, but he did not play. Yeah, so this was his first major league game. Major league hit, walk-off RBI single to win it over Mike Trout's head. Yep. That was a weird one by Trout. I guess he just figured if he caught it at all, he wouldn't even be able to throw the runner out at home anyway. So the, the outfield was playing in, you know, like you're trying to cut off any, like, line drive hits and, like, anything short that you're playing on your heel you're already like not in a good situation if there's a runner on third and less than two outs in the night it was the ninth or the tenth i don't remember it wasn't gonna matter whether he caught it or not i mean well tyler became the second player in the royals history to have a walk-off hit in the major league debut following kevin seitzer walk-off single really he had a walk-off single yep it wow. was his second hit on September 3rd, 1986 against the White Sox. <laughs> I probably have a, had a lot of Kevin Seitzer cards just collecting dust around the house. Oh. I don't think he blossomed into that potential that he showed in his Major League debut. Well, Holy Samad Taylor does not have similar uh, forecasting, but uh, no, he was one of the well-known prospects in baseball. In the 80s? 86? No, no, Samad Taylor oh, okay. right now. I think he must have gotten called up. So if you hadn't heard, uh, Benny Pasquantino on the Royals, he tore uh, something, I think, in his... Well, he was putting on the He's injured. on the season-ending DL. He okay. has a tear. Maybe on our next injury report, we'll get a fuller picture of that. Okay. Anyway, so that must have been what like led to his call-up. Now, he doesn't specifically play first base, but they must have been playing wheel-go-round over there. Yeah. He's no- number 19 prospect in, in Royals. In baseball, right? No, in Royals. Really? The Royals number 19 prospect. Uh, he was higher on the MLB list, but maybe not. Well, anyway, it was a nice hit for him. I'm sure he's going to keep that story for his kids, grandkids. Oh, yeah, you'll never forget that. No, he took one from the Angels. Well, I think that's the bigger story in this one. It's easy to get lost in the uh, limelight of a walk-off hit and how exciting that is. But at the end of the day, the Angels lost a game on the road that they should have won against a really bad Royals team mm-hmm. when they were winning 8-2 eight, eight to two going into the 7th. So. Yeah, the game looked like it's in the bag for the Angels, and it turned out completely different. I think their closer, he put it on his shoulders, they, they lost the game. Are you talking about Davinsky? Yes, Davinsky. Oh, okay. Chris Davinsky, yes. Yeah, I'm looking at who he is. Well, he's not the closer because he does not have any saves this year. Oh, so he's just a relief pitcher then. yeah. Okay. But they must have been. I don't know what kind of situation their bullpen was in, or. Anything. Oh, I. You know what? They gave the regular closer two yeah. days off. That that's the story behind it, actually. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Well, after winning three out of four in Texas, and then winning the first game in Kansas City Friday night. I mean, obviously the Angels are going to want to get the series win today. Mm-hmm. I think they're facing uh, an old Zach Granke on the mound. They should score some runs, but we'll have to wait and see what happens in this one. But aside from that, we had. Some winning streaks continue in baseball yesterday. We did. I kind of wanted to start with the, the what I'm calling the the resurgence of the big red machine, the Reds. The Reds. Oh, down in Houston, now winning their seventh in a row. They're such a young team that if whoever gets the job done that day for the Reds is probably like a rookie or a sophomore, basically. But yesterday it was Jonathan India, the second baseman. 
he hit a two-run homer in the first, and then he it was Will Benson, and it was uh, the other rookie, Matt McLean, both tripling two RBI triples. So it was done by the rookies. It's it's always done by the rookies it, if it's the Reds. That that's the story this year. They are a very young team, that's for sure, and they do have a lot of potential. They're in the second place right now. They have seven winning streaks. They are half a game behind Milwaukee. Yeah, they're half a game out of first. They might be in first place today. The Pirates probably want to salvage a game in Milwaukee, and they they just got swept by the Cubs. They don't want to get swept by the Brewers too. So no, but Brewers got swept too recently, and uh, you know, yeah. so they both are duking it out. Right, but but that's what's allowed the Reds to get back into this. They're the team playing the best baseball right now, out of those three teams that you mentioned. And there is another team that we need to look out for, which is the Cubs. The Cubs. Uh. Cubs I mean, are coming in that hot. Entire division could be flipped by the All Star break. It could be the Reds and the Cubs at the top, mm-hmm. and the Brewers and the Pirates skidding, which makes me somewhat sad. You know, like I, I really wanted the Pirates to kind of maintain and, and be a player this year, but they don't look like they can. They, they've dropped off significantly here. I mean, these are five in a row you've lost in your own division. Mm-hmm. I know you're playing on the road, but that's not an excuse, you know? Someone needed to step up and be a stopper by now. At the same time, if you're hot, you're hot. And uh, well, the Cubbies are hot. They've now won five in a row. Two against the Orioles Two. and then th- three against the aforementioned Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They're going for the sweep today at Wrigley. Father's Day sweep on the menu for the Cubs? Hmm. Interesting matchup. For today on the Hill, It's and, and it's going to be starting in like five minutes, by the way. Okay. Actually, maybe 35 minutes, but uh, it's Dean Kramer. He's got a 7-3 and three record, but he's got a really high ERA, and it makes me feel like he's been uh, the beneficiary of a lot of runs scored by his offense, which the Orioles do do. The Orioles do score a lot of runs. Um, but he's 7-3 and three in 14 starts this season, and if we look at his last seven, it's about the same. Whip is about the same. Strikeout ratio is about the same. So he's been average. He's beatable. The Cubs can beat him today. He pitched against Toronto on the 13th. He did have a win on that one. He had pitched six innings. But yeah, he is beatable for sure. The pitchers that Cubs have today, he's the one that beat the Padres. That's what I remember him for. Oh, okay. Italian? Yep. Jameson Talion. Yep. He's a bit of a journeyman. Yeah, I wouldn't expect too much out of him today. It might be a rough day for him on the mound, too. I mean, Baltimore has a really potent offense. I know they got a couple guys laid up right now, like Cedric Mullins and uh, Ryan Mountcastle, but they still have some big bats in their lineup with Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rushman. So, a tough one for the Cubbies today. We'll see what happens at Wrigley. Yeah, and I don't think the Orioles want to be swept either. But I hope they can keep their winning streaks alive. Both teams, both the Reds and the Astros. You know, the Astros don't want to be swept at home either. Ooh, Astros, yeah. They've been having a rough time right now with the injuries and just the matchups not going the way they were hoping for. Well, speaking of getting swept at home, uh, another team that's on the verge of being swept at home is the Dodgers by the Giants. That's Uh, a good one. Yeah, the Giants just kind of... I think taking the MLB world by surprise this year, no one had them really high on their mm-hmm. list. It's it's interesting to think about, you know, they were the quote-unquote big losers of the offseason because they made really big pitches to Aaron Judge. They brought him into the Bay Area. He's from San Francisco area. They wanted to, like, you know, sort of they were lure him. him away yeah. as this hometown hero, welcome home, bring him back to the Giants, follow in the footsteps of the great home run hitters, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds. I get the uh, sales pitch. The Padres offered him the most money. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Judge um, wanted to be Yankees for life. He said in the press oh, conference a long yeah, time of ago. Of course, and we're not talking about that. But mm -hmm. but the Giants also then signed Carlos Correa only oh, yeah. to Turn say around. that he didn't pass his physical and be like, and eh, nah. We're, Makes you wonder what happened. Take our get out of jail free card on this one and uh, pass. So it happened with the Mets as well. I think there there was concerns about some previous injuries with him and and his shelf life because he was getting like ten plus year contract. It was a fifteen nothing slugfest last night for the Giants, and and you see the young guys are the ones getting it done. Yes. So it, it's become a young man's game this year in a lot of ways. There's a lot of rookies that have been very impactful on the game. Uh, yeah. Even call-ups, you know, Ellie De La Cruz, Andrew Abbott on the Reds is 2-0, 3-0 now. Luis Matos, though, is batting. He was 2-for-3 at the plate last night with four runs scored, two walks. You know, talk about having an immediate impact. The kid's 21. He's listed at 5'11", 160. The funniest thing is reading these kids getting called up. They haven't even grown into their bodies yet, and or they haven't gotten weighed recently. <laughs> His first three games in the majors, he is three for eight at the plate, and he has a stolen base already, and he scored six runs. You can't underestimate the value. It's all about scoring runs. And it is. Certain guys that just find a way to have a knack for it over their careers. Also, they are very unknown at the beginning. They just got called up. So the pitcher from the opposite team doesn't really know the person. Not that the pitcher knows every single player that he pitches to. Yeah. But it's it's the unknown at that moment who's gonna hit, who's not. And so but Dodgers are five and ten in the last fifteen games. Yeah, the, the, they're definitely hurt. They, I mean look, they, they lost Austin May, they lost Jose Urias. Mm -hmm. Uh they Urias had a setback. He should have been back by now. You can't underestimate these losses for them. Uh, no. And the, you can definitely see they were like fifteen or, or, or 10 games over 500 at one point, maybe 12 or 13, I don't know. But they definitely dropped to like seven. And and the Diamondbacks become the horses in that division. We'll wait and see what happens with the Dodgers. They, they were going to have a tough season. You know, we, we forget that they lost Gavin Lux mm -hmm. uh, May. in, in uh, spring training with the knee surgery. Left. Dustin May, he's been... He's coming back sometime next month. Yeah, but at the same time, he was back already, and he had a setback. Jose Urias had a hamstring thing, and then he was about to come back, and he was making a bullpen session and had a setback during it. And it's like, damn, tough tough times over there for the Dodgers. I still think they believe that they are going to get healthier and have a chance to compete, but well, at time the same time, you can only lose so many players well they got a tough matchup today logan webb is pitching for the giants the giants are hungry right now they have the second longest winning streak in baseball they're at six in a row only behind the reds and they are honestly if the giants win today they are gonna be leapfrogging the dodgers in the standings so how about that you'll have an nl west with the diamondbacks giants as the top two teams then the dodgers and padres as the bottom two mm -hmm. and that out of those four, and obviously the Rockies are like barely trying at this point, 15 games out of it. Who would have guessed that? We'll see. I'm skeptical. Are the Giants for real? Like, I'm skeptical. They do have depth. They, you know, they have it a good like bullpen. It. Yeah, they've been doing their rotation pretty decent. They got pitching, they got offense, and they got defense. And do they have moves that they can make at the deadline that other teams can't? You know, we don't know. I've been starting to hear whispers that things are going to get shaken up at the trade deadline in ways that 
people don't really realize yet. And and maybe That's we good. need to do more research on like which of the contending teams, you know, like because there's so many teams that are contending right now. If you look at the NL, like the Padres, Cubs, you know, Mets right now, you just can't write them off. They're they're within striking distance. Mm-hmm. They're they're one run away from being right back in it. Whether those happen or not remains to be seen. But the point is, out of all those teams, who has bargaining chips? Who has players to sell? Who has needs that other teams can fill for them? There's gonna be a lot of options, and yeah. there's a lot of speculations. It's a because early to start talking about big trades, you know, because I think it's just become human nature to just wait till the last minute and get as much as you can. Nobody wants to be the first one. No one wants to be the first, and yet someone will be. Someone has someone to will be. get desperate. Uh, the pitcher for the Dodgers today is Tony Gonsling. Yeah, Gunsling. he's about the last decent arm they have left. Mm-hmm. Will it be enough to stop the Red Hot Giants? I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, um, we will watch. Yes, we will be watching for sure. I wanted to give a special shout out to Blake Schnell. Oh, yes. From yesterday, the Padres won two to zip over the Rays, but it was a kind of a special start for Blake Schnell because he was pitching against Tampa Bay, and that was the organization that he came up with as a player and also pitched for in their postseason run in the, the World Series 2020 season. This was the COVID season. He pitched really well all the way through the playoffs, and then there was like an incident in the World Series. What, what happened in that? Like, he got well, removed from a game early, right? Yes. There was a sixth game in the World Series against the Dodgers, and the manager for the Tampa Bay took Blake out of the game. Even though he had a really dominating game, he was pitching really well, he decided to mm-hmm. take him out in the sixth inning. A manager there, there now, yes, right? Yes, cash. cash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that became... Uh, a losing game for the Tampa Bay. Well, yeah, they they lost that last game in the World they Series. They did, and then Blake got traded. I believe that there might were... have caused some friction between them two because he wanted to stay in the game. Yeah. He did not want to be taken out. Yeah, no, he he was showing a lot of promise with the Rays. I, imagine if he was on them right now. He had started with this young, promising career. It, it does seem like it does, a lot of it leads back to this one incident, you know, where he got removed from this World Series game. He was pitching really well in. It, it to me, just from everything I've read and known about it, it seems like Kevin Cash, the manager for the Rays, just just had a game plan. I, I'm gonna stick to my game plan that I had going into it. And would he do the same thing again today? Maybe not. You know, like you have to allow yourself to adapt as a game goes on, and and you have to like rely on what what was the catcher saying about mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe you go ask the catcher like, hey, how's How's it look? It looks really good from here, but like I was going to take him out, but do you think we should leave him in? Get some other people's opinions. Don't just always be stubbornly sticking to your game plan. I think that you was have the to major allow yourself to evolve during the game. Yeah, that was the big takeaway from that game. They had a game plan going in and they wanted to stick with it and unfortunately, it didn't pay out the way they were hoping. So, yeah. in the World Series, you got to adapt on the fly. If something do. is doing you do. And yeah. and like I said, he'll get his chance to probably coach in the playoffs this year, Kevin Cash, and we'll see if he's adjusted. We'll see. The Rays, you know, famously get far, but they don't necessarily bring the title home. Last night games for Blake, it was an em- emotional game yeah. because he came up with that organization. And he even said, so it was cool to pitch in front of the people that have supported me, raised me, and challenged me. They're just There's just a lot that they have done that made me who I am today. 
Mm-hmm. So there was no animosity between the, him and the other team. Well, it was good for the Friars. Obviously, they got the 2-0 win. Blake with the shutout. He six pitched. innings, mm-hmm. 12 strikeouts. Still saw a walk or two out there from Blake. Uh, hey, but he lowered his ERA by yesterday's game. Of course he did. Yep. He didn't allow any runs. Yep. <laughs> it's the best way to do it, by the way. And he had a hardest pitch of the season yesterday, 92. 8.2 mile an hour fastball to Wonder Franco. Hmm, makes you wonder. Do they know each other? Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. I wonder how. I wonder how much they know each other. Not sure. I I wonder who Blake's fastest pitch would be to the current Padres players. I wonder. Fascinating. Okay, well that's gonna do it for the crosstalk here. But since the last time we've been on the air, there's been a few like little. Major League Baseball milestones that we were going to mention and go through. Okay. Uh, But the first one that I wanted to mention was Shohei Otani. Of course, having one of the best weeks that I can remember a player have. Just memorable home runs in Texas and bombs. Like absolute bombs to center. He is now become the fourth fastest player with his home run yesterday to have 150 home runs and 75 stolen bases in their career. There's only three players that have done it quicker than him, and they are Willie Mays, Jose Canseco, and Alex Rodriguez. So two juicers and a, well, a Hall of Famer. Oh, okay. So you got one in there. Okay. Yeah. Well, Willie Mays is definitely one of the greatest five-tool baseball players of all time when you talk about having power and speed you know being a good fielder a good runner a good arm he had it all and Otani also I guess you would call Otani a five-tool player because he pitches and I I don't know how if, if he's a gold glove fielder or not he doesn't play a fielding position outside of pitching but that does count so I don't want to take anything hmm. away from that how would that work? I mean, if you don't. But I, I guess with the speed, you know, you would call you would call him a five tool player. He has okay. power, speed. He has a great arm, obviously. Pitches, yeah. Uh, and yeah, until he shows me he can't field like uh, John Lester or mm-hmm. like throw over to first, even whatever, he's fine. Yeah. So yeah, some great company to be mentioned with there, obviously. Well, he's on pace for fifty one home runs if he continues the way he has been playing the remaining eighty nine games. Yeah. He might get 51 home runs. He needs 49 home runs to become the all-time Japanese-born home run leader in Major League Baseball. He trails Hideki Matsui, the famous Yankee slugger. I think he was called Godzilla. He trails him by 25 home runs now all-time. He had 175 in his career, and he is the Japanese-born record leader in all of Major League Baseball. Wow. So, and and just to think, he's probably got, you know, a whole, at least another decade of playing in front of him. Yeah. So He will pass that. Yeah. If he stays healthy, he will pass it. It's not to say there won't be another, like, home run hitter from Japan to come to the majors, but I don't think anyone's going to touch Otani for a really long time. No, I think they might even have a a award, Otani's award at some point. Yeah, they might. If If there's more... Two-way Two players. players. Yeah. I, I have my reservations about that only because, as I've mentioned previously, I don't know how young players are going to work their way through the minor leagues as a two-way player. But uh, we'll, we'll find out very soon because there are some more coming up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, congratulations, by the way, Otani. Otani. Keep Yay. those long balls, brother. And keep wearing the samurai helmet. With a smile. That looks and, good. And, and talk to your bullpen pitchers, man. Like, maybe you can offer them some uh, some zen or some, some peace of mind. Yeah, there's only one Otani. Some parting wisdom. Okay, we should talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. Yes. 
he became the first player to have 15 home runs and 30 stolen bases in their first 70 games of a season. Crazy. All of the history of baseball, no one's done that. Think about that. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, He's easily, if he stays healthy, going to have another 30-30 season under his belt. He had his first one in 2019 where he hit 41 home runs and stole 37 bases. So he was really already close to 40-40. I kind of circled that over here. Is he going to do 40-40 this year? I think he's going to fall short again and maybe in the home run category. I mean, he's been hitting for power, don't get me wrong. He has 15 homers on the year. But I he will need to pick up the pace a little bit if he wants to get to 40 home runs. Uh, well, I think he will have a higher chance of getting to 50 stolen bases. Well, I think Acuna is a very exciting player. And when he got that injury, they took him out. Yeah, as they... the weirdest thing in baseball history, maybe. Well, it happened with that Braves team because they lost their their budding superstar, Acuna. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in players to replace Acuna. They brought in Jack Peterson. They brought in this a couple other people to platoon. And anyways, they went on to win the World Series, famously, as everyone knows. And then what's more interesting after that is that they chose not to re-sign Freddie Freeman. Yeah, they got um, rid of and, the and older players. Like, How could they not do that? Well, that's and you and I had said at the time it's because of Acuna. Right. They they signed what, Matt Olson, which is Freddie Freeman replacement, but a younger version of Freddie Freeman. Yes, but the reason why they didn't want to put the money into Freddie is because they already knew that they were building their future team around Ronald Acuna mm-hmm. Jr. And I think. When you have a lot of like, oh, how could they do that? You know, Freddie's so great. And yeah, he is a great player, no doubt about it. But I think the money that Freddie demanded or, or commanded at that point was something that they did not want to spend. Mm-hmm. And and knowing that Acuna was the alpha in, in the of the two. Like when it came time to like, who are you going to build your team around? An aging Freddie Freeman or a young superstar? Up and coming, like, yeah. Yeah, that... It's like 40-40 potential on a regular basis. Yeah, and they give him the last year to recuperate, recover, because he wasn't himself fully. There, There is a like uh, purveying thought that you play coming off of the knee injury and surgery that Acuna had in 2021. This happened, and it caused him to miss. He, he came up back last year, but he played at about 25% of his career numbers. So his career numbers were 25% lower. Yes last year on average and he's back to looking more normal mm-hmm. this year is it being more Ronald Acuna and trusting his leg more probably um but nevertheless he is the player that they wanted him to be now I think the only question remains for Acuna at this point is whether he is gonna get the the milestone accomplishments next to his name like is he gonna have a 40-40 season or a 50-50 season one day you know like will he just go off one year and hit a bunch of homers and be fast. I mean, we'll 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 wait and see. I think when the dust settles, though, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, most likely. Well, it definitely is paying off the projection that they had in 2021 to build a team around Acuna. Everything is right now falling in place when it comes to brave organization. Absolutely, they have the outfield, they have the offense, defense, they score runs. They are a young team, a young starting pitching. You know. Yes, they do. Max Freed. Oh, uh, he's, yeah. Even Charlie Morton, who's struggled this year, he, he can get it done. Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Um, he's been okay lately, but he's had a good Oh, beginning. I mean, he's 
suffering from what everyone suffers from, and that is that like all major leaguers can hit a fastball. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you throw a 99 or not. You got to develop other pitches. And and he will do that, most likely. Yeah, he's just been there for a couple years. It takes a lifetime, Yeah, as they say. Well, there's one last player we should mention before we move on, um, and that's Astori Ruiz, the Oakland Athletics center field rookie. He passed Ricky Henderson, of all people, in a stolen bases category. Yes, he did. Which is like, you might be wondering, how the heck did somebody do that? Well, he's a fast guy. He's a fast guy. He passed him on Friday, but now he actually stole another base yesterday. So he's at 36 on the season. Ricky Henderson stole 34 in his rookie season. But here's the caveat, folks. Here is the caveat. I'm still going to say Ruiz wins, but Ricky Henderson only played a half a season in 1980. So his rookie season, he did not play the full 162 games. So he had 34 steals and about half of that. Now, as we can see, we are only three weeks away from the halfway point in our season. But as we said also, we're at like 71 games. The All-Star break isn't right in the middle. So we'll see where Ruiz is at at like 81 games because they've played, let's see here now, 19 plus 54 is 73. So they have eight more games to go before it will be a half a season. 81 games. Yes, and so he could steal easily a few more bases before then. But yeah, not to take anything away from Ruiz, but I wanted to point out the whole like him passing Ricky Henderson that um, Ricky Henderson only played a half a season. Now, I said he passed him for second on the all-time list. If you're wondering, the all-time leader in steals was Mitchell Page for the A's. He had 42 in 1977 season. Hmm. And I think that's for a, that's for rookies because, you know, Ricky Henderson obviously had way more seals in a season than that for the A's. But this uh, is just the rookies. This season. is just as okay. a rookie. My point I'm making is unless Ruiz has a season-ending injury in the next week, he will most likely become the new Oakland A's all-time rookie stolen base leader. And if he stays healthy through the whole season, he can go high. You know, like he's at 36 now. He just seems to be getting better, you know. But he could be putting in over 80 stolen bases. Well, he also might be traded, you know, at the deadline because A's are not going anywhere. If the team wants somebody that's fast, they might inquire about him. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, you know, like obviously Oakland's having issues with their... They're going to be moving in mm-hmm. the future. I mean, he plays a center think, field. Yeah. The only thing I will say about it in this situation is he's going to be tempting for them to hold on to as a franchise because of Ricky Henderson. Okay. Now, if they think he's playing over his career expected output right now, they might want to cash in on him while he's a hot commodity. But will he help other teams out? Absolutely. And the fact that he views himself as a weapon on the base paths. So pretty cool. Congratulations to Asturi Ruiz. Congratulations to Ronald Acuna Jr. and Shohei Otani again. May you all stay healthy and continue to have great seasons. And um, continue to entertain us. Yes, continue to entertain us. We appreciate it. And uh, we love to watch you all play, all three of you. All right. Well, it is Father's Day. And before we get out of here... I wanted to take a moment to wish my father, my dad, Ken Sr. I don't know. I never called my dad that, so it feels weird. Anyways, hi, Dad. Hope you're having a great Father's Day over there. 
just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for all you've done to bring baseball into my life throughout the years. Weight back, elbow up, all that. I still remember it. But I think my dad was a really great baseball teacher for a young, for me as a young person, but also for other young kids in our community. You know, he coached Little League. He was a active face around little league teams he coached me he coached my brothers he became the equipment manager at one point and had a relationship with almost all the coaches and teams in the entire community and uh he was a really well liked and good at his job you know he was always really organized he knew what teams had what equipment you know in my dad's meticulous way of doing things like that no one else can do but he was really good at it and i think as I've become an older man in my own life now, you know, I really didn't see or appreciate at the time the amount of time that he spent doing all of these things, not just for us, but for the community. Mm -hmm. I think we, as his kids, always came first, no doubt about it. But you learned a lot of baseball. Yeah, learned a lot of baseball. Like I said, from just even before T-ball, that fatherly introduction to the, like, well, this is how you hold the bat and how you step and throw. Yeah, that's where it all begins, you know. That's where the game is sort of handed down, as you will. Do you think that it was harder for him because you were a lefty and he's not to... Uh, no, no. It actually, he was encouraging me to be lefty, always, because he knew that it was coveted, even mm -hmm. then. It's always been coveted, left-handed pitching. So he always encouraged me to follow in that, and, you know, he would catch for me. You know, like, I would just pitch in the backyard or on the side of the house i remember there was like the the north side of the house you know where there's that little strip where mm -hmm. i cut the grass there you know like i would pitch to him there i would pitch to him in the backyard by the pool um little stuff like that so. but were you trying to be a switch hitter or no no never. just a lefty i was just always lefty okay and i'm dumb with my right hand it's <laughs> okay can't do anything with it it's okay don't tell anybody that though i also wanted to mention that there was a whole baseball card aspect of it that I got introduced to that you know through my dad and but also getting taught how to like sort and organize and and I still do it the same way today you know like when I have to like sort the cards out oh that's like, nice here we go so it's a, something that you just another fatherly lesson and little things uh going to card shows with my dad I remember those bonding experiences and walking around all the tables and let's take a look first and then we'll we'll decide after and want to try and get it. Well, that's good. To bed there was little life lessons like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, don't splurge all at once and You don't see that show. as much anymore. Those card shows, you have to really mm -hmm. look for that. It's not as common as it used to be. Yeah, I think the hobby is sort of coming back as they say, mm -hmm. the card hobby, but it's not the same as it used to be and it's convoluted and well, you have to just collect what you like. In the, at this day and age. But I'm sure you appreciate all the little life lessons uh, when it comes to baseball. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And so happy Father's Day, Papa. Well, I just want to say, too, that I think my dad's support in me as I've gotten older has never wavered, whether it was in baseball or other things I've been doing with my life. And I'm very appreciative of that even being 2,500 miles away, which is really, really hard sometimes. But it also reminds me um, that, you know, dads are needed in their kids' life to teach them and hand baseball down to them. No offense to the moms out there. I'm sure there's some moms that do it well. I'm sure there are. But it's a special bond between father and son if, it, if you can have it in your life. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the point that I don't think a lot of fathers or dads have the opportunity to be the type of dad that my dad was, you know. My dad went to work early every morning at like 6 or 6.30. He was gone. He was at work by 7 usually. 
and he left by three and he was usually home uh, especially on baseball days you know during mm-hmm. the summers like he was home by three thirty or 4 o'clock and, and we were off to practice and for at least until it got dark you know like at 6 or 6.30 in the spring and then obviously it stayed lighter later in the summer months but the point is is that you just don't see a lot of fathers or dads that are home at that time anymore and it used to be a normal thing you know times have changed times a lot have changed and and more is expected of the person whether they're a dad or not and it it's just unfortunate. makes me you know it, you you see that less kids are playing baseball and it's become like sort of this national problem in a way it's a domino effect you know it's, it's, one leads it, to the other they're all connected it, mm-hmm. you know like if if we want to have baseball and we want to have the american pastime we need to allow time for dads to share that with their kids yeah and i don't think even my own dad could have been the same influence on me as a kid today working the way he still does so it's it's really it's a conundrum and i think when we talk about ai and all these new things coming into the world and it's like I, i don't want ai to replace like the writing or the creative work that we're, we, we were supposed to be liberated by, AI. you know, it was supposed to be cleaning up our house and our janitorial duty, like the jobs that no one wants to ever do in life. Right. Yeah. That was what we wanted AI for to be maids maybe, or to be <laughs> servants of some kind, you know? But the point is, is that instead it seems like the opposite. you're, you're going to have an AI teaching your kid baseball before <laughs> you have an AI freeing up more time for you to teach your kid baseball yeah it's backwards it It should have been the other way around it's just something we should be conscious about Mm -hmm. as we move forward with all of this stuff is that i mean humans are social animals we need human contact and who is better to teach a kid than his own parent no one you know no one exactly not, no AI not, will not at that age. No, no not, AI. Not at the young, young age. You know, like no. when they're ten or twelve. Yeah, maybe they need someone else. But the point is, is like when they're just learning it, they needed they needed to be handed down. Yes. That's, yeah. When they get to like teenagers, that's when they become rebellious against their parents. That's when you need somebody else step in and do the teaching. Absolutely. All right. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Before we leave, I just want to say thanks for sticking with our show while we go through this little rebrand here and scheduling change. But I definitely want to communicate our commitment to staying on and being with you guys four days a week and, and work through how this all is going to work out. Is it going to change again? Yeah, it might. Is it is it going to evolve over time? Yeah, it might. But we really appreciate you guys like staying with us and going on that journey with us because it is a journey it's not always easy but we hope that you at least appreciate it and appreciate the fact that we're trying to put our best foot forward with this basically on a daily basis whether we're on the air or not we are always working and talking about the podcast yeah so having said that we are available on social media you can find us if you just search for kanika baseball you can find us on facebook you can find us on tiktok twitter youtube find us all over the place i'll let you know when that new email address is active too because the list of things to do just keeps growing everybody believe it or not but if you want to contact us in the meantime uh the kanika daily at gmail.com is still active and open and we hope to hear from you soon you can also leave us a voicemail oh yeah you can there's a number on the spotify app there's a little thing that you can press say like if you want to leave us a message yeah yeah if you don't want to write you can just say it there you go there you go so yes If you do a little bit of uh, extra work, I promise we'll make this all easier in the future, but you can contact us. Yes. Okay. Well, happy Father's Day again to all the baseball dads out there all around the world. And uh, thank you 
for handing the game down to your sons and daughters. Well, that's going to put a bow on this episode. Enjoy the show, everybody, and we'll be right back here tomorrow with our next episode of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. Thank you again for joining us. This is your host, Kenny, signing off. And I'm Nika signing off. Bye. Adios. Adios.